Hey guys, it's L. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any questions, you can always DM us on Instagram at Off the Reservation Podcast. And maybe, just maybe, we'll answer it in a future episode. Now, on with the show. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for the second half of our talk with our first guest and longtime friend Dave Dutzway. Just a warning that this podcast may include topics such as Indian schools that some may find disturbing. With that out of the way, let's get back to the episode. Enjoy the show. You know, look at community. You know, one of the biggest, for me in my life, one of the biggest pictures of community I've seen is a place, I think it was Bethel, Alaska. We were there to do a certain thing. But at that same time, the villages there were fulfilling their whale permits. The two little villages, they join, and since they join forces together, one team goes out, the young men, they find that whale, they kill the whale, and they bring it in. But it takes both villages, all the men, because they still do it traditionally, they pull it in by, by rope. Oh, that's cool. Wow. You know, you look at a, a one-ton, two-ton, ten-ton whale, and they, they're pulling it in, pulling it in. So my team, we got to help them. And you feel that weight. And this is just that little piece of rope you're, you're holding onto, but it's like you're, you're the only one there. But you got a hundred men around you pulling at the same time, pulling and pulling and pulling until that whale comes in. And then they start to break it down. And everyone gets a piece of it. Not any, there's not one piece that's wasted from the bone to the fat to the meat to everything from head to tail. Mm-hmm. it's shared within those communities then they go to the next village then that village comes over and they help this next village and they do the same thing that's community that's helping that's taking care of each other mm-hmm. to me that was a, such a great experience to be a part of it was an honor to be there to eat something that was so foreign to me it was not a ribeye steak <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was a piece of blubber, like three by three by three, and it was an honor to receive it. Now, to bite on it, it was a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it was an honor just to be there, to see community come together, to work together, then to provide for each other. Because they still break down everything, Mm -hmm. from the fat to the oil, from the meat to every little thing. There was not one roadway there. They all they all, they survive on bush planes, and snowmobiles. Jeez, it's like could I do that? I don't know. <laughs> Am I gonna walk 50 miles to the next store to the next city just to get fuel? Yeah. So that I can light my lamps. They still live that way, but they still they do that in communal living to help each other. And I share this story to kind of tie what you just said about Native Americans. We take care of each other by community. Mm-hmm. And our community might be 80 miles away. I live 80 miles away that way. If you're on a watching, it's that way. <laughs> and, but this is still my community. Because these, these, these gentlemen are my brothers. I grew up watching this. I grew up watching them grow up. <laughs> you know, 
my maturity was through watching them grow up. Mm-hmm. I can attest my maturity to that, of where I am today, of who I am today. I didn't get here just by drinking coffee. I got here by somebody else making me a pot of coffee or making me a cup of coffee. And me enjoying that cup of coffee, that's maturity, that's community. I didn't do it. Somebody else gave it to me. It was a gift. Now we as a people group, not just Native Americans, but as we as a people group, if we can grasp that theology, if we can grasp that way of thinking, we'd be a we be a we be a better people group. Yeah. That I can always do it for myself. That I need help. Yeah. And I yeah. can accept someone else's cup of coffee, and enjoy it. That's life. So I thank you guys for inviting me to be part of this. This is something different. Being interviewed to talk on issues like this is different than talking about the sterileness of what I do. Yeah. On the government side, I can talk about finances. I can talk about bridges. I can talk about buildings. I can talk about progressive contracting all day long. But this is I. This is enjoyable. Because then you can share, hey, the soft side of life. And get yeah. away from the hardness of the world hmm. to share a little bit of my life, to share a little bit of my experience. You are all a part of it. And I thank you for being a part of it because, like I said, you're a part of my maturity. To be there, to see the happiness, to see the sadness, to see the anger is <laughs> yeah. a part of growing up. Yeah. And it's a part about being that, that connectivity you know, we're all part of, if you don't know, we're all part of this Indian camp that we used to go to. These guys were nine, nine ten-year-olds when I met them. them. <laughs> a little bit older. Yeah. Ben showed up in a 1966 <laughs> Mustang, red, white, sliding into camp. <laughs> like, who is this dude? <laughs> How did he get that car? It's because I worked for it. I was an artist. I saved. <laughs> like the envy. Like this is Elvis. This is the native Elvis getting out of this, this, this oh, man. Ford Mustang. Right? Yeah. But that's where we come from. That's where I come from. Entering into their life, entering into the camps, entering this, the fun we had at summertime. Mm. It'll be nice to do something like this again. Could we mm-hmm. produce that type of activity for our native youth nowadays? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've had we've had talks here, and we would love to see this growing, and to produce other podcasts for other natives who are wanting to do it because of all the equipment that we have. We could make it available. I mean, there's just so many different aspects that we could do to help other you know natives that want to you know launch a platform and and i think um you know we, we've always asked the asked this uh in our uh podcast that 
if, if you have any interest or any like topics you want us to cover or even want to get in contact with us about um, maybe even opening up your own, uh, doing your own podcast, you can always contact us at uh, off the reservation uh, underscore podcast uh, off the reservation of podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Underscore. <laughs> underscore podcast. And yeah. um, we'll put it below. Yeah. But I guess, uh, so coming back to the, like maybe some more of the, the logistics of the whole thing, um, is there, do you know of any like plans that maybe like to, to try to exhume the, the bodies and try to maybe return them? Or is it just going to be like a, a could remain a mass grave? As far as I know, you know, for the local area, there's plans right now to use what's called LIDAR. It's like a radar system. Mm-hmm. So like survey without having to exhume or actually dig in anywhere in that area. Um, so it may just be to identify what's there. Mm-hmm. Really not the who's there, mm-hmm. but... What is there? How many? Yeah. How many? Uh, in a sense, bodies are there, and really give it the the closure it needs. So, r- roughly for everybody listening, can you just go over the time period again about what what's the time period we're looking at? What so, the, for the area there, that school was you know Albuquerque Indian School was one of the first actual Indian schools in the nation. Yeah. So yeah. this started from like the nineteen eighty ones. 19 early 1980s you know that whole century to 1983 so that's about 100 years or so that this school was there and when you're looking at time frames 100 years is still 100 years yeah yeah but it's 100 it's 100 years <laughs> forgive me but 100 years ago mm-hmm. where Times were different, and, and roughly about how many children do you think? Do do they think right now? There's an estimate of at least a now at least sorry for the language, but there's um, an estimate of a hundred bodies in that area okay. that could be because they're scattered. There's one central area, like I said, in the 4-H park, but over history, they've been there's been findings in all locations of that area through whether it's utility work, whether it's fence work, or just a neighbor in that that, that subdivision digging in the area and finding something. Now, can they pinpoint that back to anybody specifically that worked there? There's one person, I'm not sure if he's still alive, but in, in the readings and the research and just what I've seen, that there's one person that he used to be a janitor at the school mm-hmm. and he, you know, in his story, he's like, yo, yeah, I knew about it. Really? But they, they just wanted to cover it back up. Yeah. Mm. You know, just throw more dirt on it, you know? And again, it's like that hiding that issue. So you didn't see anything. Don't tell nobody. It's just there. You keep your job, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just part of society, you know? How many times have we seen a crime and we don't just say nothing about it? We just turn mm-hmm. turn the other Seinfeld. way. Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love Seinfeld. <laughs> I didn't watch the Olympics. I watched Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> I started in 1990 to, 90, to 97. <laughs> <laughs> totally off the topic, but 
You gotta love Seinfeld. Yeah. I encourage you to watch Seinfeld. If you need to mature, <laughs> watch Seinfeld. <laughs> we got Shrek. Uh, what was the blue? Uh, blue. What was the, the other? Oh, name? Soldier Blue. 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 Yeah, Soldier, Soldier Blue. blue. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch Winter Soldier Hawk. Blue. Soldier. Winter Hawk. Winter Hawk and Shrek. Horse. And what was it? Indian Horse. Indian Horse. Yeah. yeah. And you know some of these things, you know, are may never be found out. Mm-hmm. We yeah. may never get to the bottom of it. But is it some things? It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's better to allow it to rest than to stir up that hornet's nest. See, I I agree with you, but in the same sense, I also I I look at how history handled the Nuremberg trials when they went after the Nazis who ran these death camps, right? And I, I'm like, that's part of their closure as a people group. Where is, where's our closure at, you know? And I, I guess that's something that, you know, people are just going to have to look into. But I've always asked myself that, is how are these war crimes committed in our life, or in, in our people's history, but yet nobody's prosecuted for these, you know? And... And I think it's hard because I mean, with with World War Two and, and their war crimes and everything, the the atrocities that happened. I mean, it was almost a, right after they were being held. Uh, Nazi Germany was being held accountable, whereas we have a hundred years between us and our war crimes, and so those that experience those war crimes are currently in their final years. Yeah, and you look at Native American <clears throat> stories. You look at Wounded Knee. Although that didn't happen here, it still happened to Native America. Mm-hmm. You know, Native Americans, like I said, we're the only people group who have to certify that we're American by the Certificate of Indian Blood that all four of us have. There's a serial number that we can pretty much tattoo to our arm that's, that identifies this is who I am. Mm-hmm. In my pocket, I have my little card that says I'm from Laguna. It gives my number that I'm yeah. four force this. I'm part here, I'm part there, I'm part here. You know, it identifies where I'm from. But as a people group, I can understand where we could say, I want my revenge. I want that door monitor. I want his family. But what is it really going to do? Is it going to make is it going to make full closure? Or is it going to just satisfy the self? Satisfy that 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 here and now. Just that moment. How is that how are we going to get not say how we're going to get past that, but how are we going to rectify the bigger picture? Do we ask the nation, do we ask our government for forgiveness? Because on one hand, I could cry foul and say, well, you never, United States government, you've never issued a formal apology to the Native American for the atrocities and war crimes that it's happened all through history. That could be a movement all itself. Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, are they afraid of because 
Amer the Native America were the sleeping giant. When are we as Native Americans going to wake up? But in our wake, are we going to take charge and demand that forgiveness or demand that apology? Our United States government has apologized to every other people group in the nation today. But they've never apologized to the First Nations peoples, the Native Americans. Yes, I could say, I want that apology, but what am I going to do with it? Is it going to satisfy something within me? Or I've already forgiven it. I don't need that apology because I'm not going to allow it to ruin my future. I'm not going to allow it to ruin my presence. Mm -hmm. I don't need the apology and I don't need that revenge. I think we as a people group, when we can get past that, we have victory. We do have death. We can stand, like I said, we can stand on the top of the cliff without our shirt on and scream to the top of our lungs and be Native Americans. I think that's how we defeat our enemy mm -hmm. is by that action. And it may take centuries. Is it going to happen in our lifetime? I don't know. We don't know. So we live in the future. We live in a now that we do have victory. So that our actions aren't a detriment to the young ones. Yeah. So they don't see me harboring this hate all the time. They don't see me walking around angry, upset. Mad at the white man. Mad at the white yeah. man. Mad yeah. at the Just world. Just be, being even. real, yeah. It's like, okay, dad, why are you mad? Don't talk to me. What for? You know, it's like fighting alcoholism. I argued with my dad, but he still drank. Mm -hmm. I'm going to share a story. I went to visit my mom and dad. I got to their house. They were arguing. My dad was drunk. And I finally stood up to my dad. And I told my dad, you know what? Imagine that beer can as a shovel sooner or later you're going to get six feet down and you're going to be dead and I walked away it's a five mile drive to where my mom and dad live in a canyon I got way halfway down I stopped and I was crying I said that's what I said kept going home one week to that day my dad was turning colors my dad stopped drinking he was like the horse of a thousand colors. His body was fighting himself because he had not taken a drink of alcohol and he was trying to quit. They brought him to, it was then, um, St. Joseph's Hospital. And I remember that night, a conference call, my brother from Alaska and his family, my sister and her family were there, Beth and I were there, my mom was there, and there was a doctor, totally foreign to the family, he said, you know what, Mike, I can pretty much tell you how many more drinks you can have before you die. Go ahead, Mike, take another drink. I guarantee you, three more and you're gone. 
My dad that night stopped drinking. My dad the next day went from Bud Light to Mountain Dew. The Mountain Dew to Coca-Cola. And never took another drink of his life. I knew my dad sober for nine years of my life. Hmm. He was a different man. He had money. Where did this money come from? Because you're not spending $300 a night at the bar. That's where it came from. My mom and dad's life changed. They traveled. My dad remodeled their home. My dad bought my mom an SUV. My dad did this for my mom. It's like they were reliving their honeymoon years again. Mm. It was so different. My dad never ate Italian food. <laughs> One day, my dad called me. So my dad and I had a falling out many years ago. So I didn't call him my dad. He didn't call me son. I called him Bod, like buddy. He called me and said, hey, Bod, come meet us. We're at Olive Garden. I was like, oh, man, something's going on. My dad don't eat Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> he got there. <clears throat> so what's going on? It's nothing. I was inviting you guys to eat lunch. And I was asking him, you don't eat Italian food? He goes, oh, I do now. And I like it. Because growing <laughs> up, we could order pizza. We can go to Pizza Hut. It was just pepperoni. Nothing else. No spaghetti, no nothing. <laughs> Italian food to him was pepperoni pizza. And that's it. <laughs> so actually I share that story because it it helps me heal. Mm-hmm. It helps me remember my dad. I don't want to remember him just like this. I don't remember I don't want to remember him as a drunk, as an alcoholic. I want to remember him as my bod, as my friend, as my dad. I only heard him call me son three times in my life. But I cherish those three times because it was after he stopped drinking. Hmm. I saw a different person. I relate this story to my dad and how it changed. But he decided the change. He decided I want to be a different person. Hmm. I don't want to rely upon this brown bottle anymore. This brown bottle is killing me. It's just like this past. If we don't change and decide to change and allow our past to be healed, we're going to always rely upon that brown bottle and allow that brown bottle to destroy our life. But my dad chose, I don't want this anymore. I'm choosing my family. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing my wife. I'm choosing my children. My dad was a totally different person. His attitude was different. It was enjoyable to sit there and listen to his stories. After my dad gave up drinking, my brother and I sat down with my dad, and my dad all of a sudden started talking. He started sharing us stories of his life, started sharing with us stories of Vietnam, of what he saw. And he had never, ever told anyone about them. So I relate that to this in in a sense. My healing with my dad My dad chose to be a better man, to put that away, to choose us. So I look at it as this story here. The atrocities, yes, that happened in our past, but we have to decide to forgive it. I forgave my dad. One of the other hats that I wear, the night my dad passed, my dad... I, I took my mom and my, my wife, my, you know, my, my Beth, to our house. 
I went back to the hospital. For some reason, my dad had got blood poisoning. So they had to do operation on his hand so he couldn't eat. So I went back to the hospital. So I was helping him eat. We were talking. My dad accepted Jesus Christ into his life that night. And for 10 days, you know, th that next day, my dad had a heart attack. Out of the blue, bam. My dad knew what life was for one night, real life. Because all that internal burden was gone. And it, it changed me because my dad was my best friend. My dad was the guy I looked up to. My dad, although growing up as an, you know, he was an alcoholic, my dad was tough on us. My dad taught us about life. But that night I went to feed my own dad. To, my dad was a big dessert guy. He said, what dessert did they give me before you feed me? I said, they got you red jello and green jello. Right on. So I fed my dad that night. And that's the last night I ever talked to my dad. But the last thing we talked about was Jesus. He said, I need Jesus in my life. And we prayed. Simple thing. Five minutes maybe in my entire life, in the entirety of that conversation, changed for total forgiveness. So, my dad died three day, oh, 10 days later. My dad fought for, for 10 more days. There was no magic pill that they were going to give my dad to get his heart to work again. Everything else started working, but my heart, but his heart and lungs were gone. It was a tough decision. But it was a decision that my brother and I had to make. So we have choices. We have choices in life. Do we want to continue to be angry with the fists in the air? Or do we want to choose forgiveness? Mm -hmm. Do we want to choose something that's going to change us in a way that I can be happy as a people group. Can we do that? That's the big question. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like I said, that could be a movement in itself that we forgive what's been done to us, but that's going to take a lot of work. Almost for our own per like, like preservation, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So like going back to that blood quantum issue. Yes, the government set in motion this thing to, to, What's the word, Mel? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know what genocide. Genocide. genocide to, to they set that us. in motion to slowly genocide a people group. So I'm going to develop blood quantum. Oh. Mm -hmm. Let them blood themselves out, so I don't have to worry about them. But we figured out their scheme. Yeah. So let's do something different. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. decide to do something different. That deciding is going to help our people group continue to live on and thrive but we have to make decisions in Native America we shouldn't be afraid to decide for our own what's going to be mm -hmm. useful and helpful for your people that's what you need to decide upon if it's a casino oh well but as long as that casino is feeding back to your people in a positive manner mm -hmm. if it's providing jobs is it providing infrastructure? Is it providing economics so that you can so that your plumber continues to grow? Then it's a successful choice. But we have to forgive. We have to decide to forgive if we're going to get past issues like this. 
but that's again that's a larger picture yeah yeah well i mean i think what a question that we were going to ask i think you just answered is is yeah, in one part is is what can we do? What can people do? People listening, what can people listening do about these types of issues and things that are happening mm-hmm. like this? And I think you kind of summed it up in the in for for our our native brothers and sisters. It's it's learning how do we get past this and how do we move forward to better our communities? And for um, you know listeners who you know are 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 Anglo friends, you know. What our allies, our allies, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what can they do? I, I, you said it earlier. You know, educate yourselves. You know, and and understand, you know, the story and understand what happened. You know, and and you know, that's that's the best way. I feel that that they can help. You know, in that sense, because you know, I I think it it sounds like it's oh well that must be a Native American issue. No, it concerns all of us, mm-hmm. all of us people. You know. On the, in the world here because it's I mean it's being reflected in how we're handing handling our immigration process down by the border and you see all those things reflected in in how we handle uh, immigration in general um, but as, as far as uh, this situation and, and others like it is there uh, I guess what can people in general do to help in these situations I mean other than edu- is there anything they can do to other than educating themselves or like talk to talk to somebody or yeah ask I mean for there's there's a lot that you can do besides just reading mm-hmm. or watching there's legislator legislative matters that you could take speak to a legislature you know learn how to connect with your congressman those are the people who have the ability to change laws, enact laws, do something about it. I can stand here and palm, like again, going back to that, I can stand here and palm my chest, but what's that gonna do? Educate is great. Now educate and use that knowledge to educate the decision makers, yeah. the lawmakers, mm-hmm. and let them run with that ball. Keep them accountable so that that ball continues to roll and roll to where it needs to get to the big house. Yeah. That's where things change. Again, like I said, we can't just stand here and pound our chest because what is it going to do but get a sore? Yeah. Now we can take it to the next level. As an American, we have that right. Mm-hmm. to talk to our legislatures, our congressmen. That's how we can help this issue. That's how we can change laws and create laws that are going to protect the next generation of children Yeah. so that this don't happen again. Mm-hmm. There's a word, I, I, I use this word, but it's a, like a Star Wars type word. It's called <laughs> the, the sim, symbiotic relationship that we have with each other. Yeah. In Star Wars, there was a symbiotic relationship between the Jedi and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because they could feel the feelings of people around them. They could sense what was going on around them. As a people group, we all have that symbiotic relationship with each other because we breathe the same air. We live in the same place. Yeah. 
who live under the same sun. Whether or not we like to think about it, we share the same air. Mm -hmm. And this air is free for everybody. So when we think in that manner, it helps us, helps us to understand that, you know what? I'm just here along with everybody else that I stand on the same ground just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. That my Starbucks coffee is not any different than the guy behind me. If the guy behind me gets Americano <laughs> and I got an Americano, it's the same coffee bean. It's the same coffee. He might like it with too Splendid like I do, <laughs> but it's the same coffee. You go to yeah. McDonald's, you get the quarter pounder with cheese. They make it the same way. In it might be a little factory. messier, <laughs> but it's the same burger. It's the same onions. It's the same cheese. It's the same <clears throat> mustard and ketchup. We've got to get past those. Well, well, you got something different than I did. I'm not sorry, but um, again, my dollar is just as green as yours. Mm -hmm. My dollar is just as green as yours. The air I'm breathing is the same air you're breathing. We're here together. Can we get to that point, that symbiotic relationship? We're here to work together. We're here to live together. Now can we think together to think past these things to heal? I think that's where we need to get to. And that's how we can then help and others and educate others to educate them to say, you know what, now it's time to talk about it. And don't be afraid to do it. That's that next chapter. So that question is, what can others do? Mm -hmm. Ask those questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask the native. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, and that's why, that's why, you know, to clarify what I was meaning earlier, when I say educate yourself, it, it is to, to ask those questions, to find out what the truth is, and share that with other people, because knowledge is power, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> knowledge is power, you know, and the more people that are aware of, of the truth of the history and, and what happened, the more we're able to, as you say, make a, a change with, that's going through... Uh, legislation or even um, social movements in that sense, you know, getting everybody educated and uh, on the same, uh, in, in, with the same knowledge and understanding, you know, is, is I, 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 in my opinion, I think that's the number one thing right now, you know, mm -hmm. uh, if there is nothing else you can do, at least understand and know the truth and, and, and not turn away from it, you know. Yeah, like G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was a, that was a great discussion. And, yeah. Uh, well, I, um, and is there any other place that, uh, that people can look up? I mean, like yeah. I, I Googled it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any recommendations for where people, people can look to, to, you know, aside, aside from Shrek? And <laughs> 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 There's a couple other movies. Um, that was shared with me. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just. Oh, we love there. movies. Uh, one's called Our Spirits Don't Speak English. Uh, it's Indian boarding school documentary. Hmm. Um, that was made in 2008. Another one's got Playing for the World. It's a documentary. At the men it's a PBS, so it's out there, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, another one called 
Our Files Still Burn. It's a documentary uh, by Audrey Geyer, 2013. Unspoken Native Americas. Boarding Schools is a documentary as well. And the one I mentioned earlier, uh, Indian Horse. So these are movies that are documentary styles that were educate, mm-hmm. which show you in a sense the truths. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't, you know, some of these are like the, the Breitbart News where we don't exclude the truth. It is in your face kind yeah. of thing. So these are, some of these are movies and some of these documentaries are those you take with a grain of salt, but also don't, if, don't, don't, how we say, um, don't, don't, don't be afraid to be offended. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, by what you're going to see and what you're going to hear. Um, it's those lump in your throat kind of hmm. reality, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like going through reality. It's like seeing a body by the side of the road. Mm-hmm. What happened? There's so many stories that could have been there, but what really happened? Mm-hmm. But you still get that weird feeling because, hey, that's a human being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so those are some things you could look at, um, just kind of things to consider. But there's so many other things out there, you know, that you could read into. Like I said, you know, media is out there, social media, you know, Wikipedia, um, mm-hmm. Google. Uh, books, you know, you can go to a library, you could go to the near the, the, the Indian Cultural Center here in Albuquerque. They have a small library of books that target these issues. You know, you could ask the curator there of uh, the museum. There's a bit of history there that they can share with you. So there's outlets that are there to educate, to help understand what really happened. You know, there's so many outlets there that like us here we all have a story of what may have happened where do we grow up what was our favorite foods again going back to what is it like being a native american well some of us grew up in a reservation some of us didn't yeah some of us like red chili stew some of us don't <laughs> some of us like fry bread some of us i don't <laughs> like fry bread but does does make does does me not liking fry bed make me not Indian, not Native American? I like tortillas. <laughs> yeah. but is that a different culture? It's just bread. When you think about it, it's just bread. Oh, our last episode, we we discussed that uh, um, Hispanic food was uh, Native American, as said by me. <laughs> I like that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Hispanic food because here we have New Mexican style, which is the red chilies, which is the uh, beans and rice, sopapillas. Mm-hmm. But you go to Mexico, you will Never. not find that. You might find black beans, no chili, and a lot of seafood. Hmm. That makes so sense. we have a big difference that we call Mexican food. No, we have new Mexican food here, whereas the red chilies, the green chilies, the sopapillas, the beans, the rice, the cheese, the lettuce, tomatoes. You won't find that in Mexico. It's a total different thing. But again, it's a cultural thing. Hmm. It's New Mexican. 
It's not Mexican. It's a big difference. I think that's just me. Sorry, I don't mean to offend you're, nobody. You're a purist. Yeah, <laughs> we don't mean to start the food fight. You know? But that's just me. You know, I love New Mexican food. But I also love other than other kind of foods. You don't get this big and not love the food. So I love food. You know, that helps heal. That to me, that's healing. I can take a ribeye. No, <laughs> scratch that. I'll take a New York strip. Any day. Hmm. <laughs> Medium rare. Uh, see, that's why I miss uh, Sizzler. <laughs> I miss Sizzler. Sizzler shut down in Albuquerque, so we've got to travel out to Gallup to get Sizzler's it. Sizzler's now a bank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So this has been enjoyable. You know, issues like this, you know, we need to be, these need to be more on the forefront of what mm-hmm. we're going through today. You know, because not just this issue, but what we're talking about and all the different ways and all the different aspects that, that these kind of conversations can go because it's global. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what hap- what's happening here or what happened here is happening in another country across the world right now mm-hmm. and a war, you know, we've been at war in a sense in America here for a very long time. Are we ready to step into another war? Mm-hmm. That's a whole yeah. big topic of discussion. Do we want to get into that? Do we want to get into this war? Do we want to help finance this kind of a war? Which side do we pick? Who's right and who's wrong? That's a huge discussion. Hmm. You know, you can talk war psychology all day long, you know, about issues like this. How is it affecting our economy? Why is gas now almost $4 a gallon? Why is bread now $6 a loaf? Yeah. Why is inflation 28.9% now? Why is it cost $7 for a board foot of lumber at Home Depot when it used to cost $2? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about all these different things, you know, and how it's affecting my life. Do I let it affect me? Or do I just, if I need it, I got to buy it mm-hmm. and I'm not going to cry about it. There's those topics and there's those ways of thinking like i said it's global because it's not just affecting us it's affecting the house next door and the house next door this way mm-hmm. they're affected just like i'm affected so we, we when we think about these things and you think about topics and it is a bit of advice for you all so when you think about topics what is that controversial one thing that you want to talk about put it on the table yeah. don't be afraid someone needs to hear it Mm-hmm. Someone needs to hear it. Is it caramel or is it caramel? <laughs> which one do you? Which where does it go? You know, I'm I say caramel. <laughs> they could start a whole fight on just that one word. <laughs> those difficult topics, those difficult things that just like this, the Indian schools. That's a hard topic because it affects so many lives. Mm-hmm. Just like coffee. Do I go to Starbucks or do I go to Dutch Brothers? Or do I just make it myself at home? Yeah. <laughs> Get this the Keurig. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Purists say no Keurig. Oh, no. Purists say the pour over. I have a niece. She's a purist. We got to drink pour over. <laughs> I got the 10 minute cup of coffee there. <laughs> French press. I, I want one that's in two and a half minutes. Beam me the Keurig pod. But no, she's a purist. We want the 10 minute cup of coffee. I'm sorry, but it's good. Uh, not getting wrong, it's good coffee. Yeah. 
but I want my coffee in a minute and a half. (laughs) So that's a whole another discussion. I love coffee talks. You can go a thousand ways with coffee. Oh, our our dad likes to... Uh, reheat his coffee about five, ten times a day. Oh my gosh. Here's a, <laughs> Once here's, it's poured, you gotta drink it. Like I'll be sitting there painting and it'll be cold like it is right now and like my coffee will still be cold and I'll still drink it. Like yeah. I'll just be like, ah, whatever. Same here. That's what I said. You pour it, you drink it. It's a waste of life. Yeah. yeah. You can't reheat it. Yeah. Yeah, food. <laughs> I love food. I've eaten food all over the world. We'll have to have you we'll back have when we do food. another uh, culinary episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, food, travel. Lived out of my suitcase for a very long time. Talk about off the reservation. You have been a world traveler. You've gone all over the world. Yeah. I have um, I have a shoebox if I can find it. I used to collect the tickets back in the day. Even now, you know, you can collect the tickets. Your little tabs from your flights. So I used to collect them, and I have a box literally full of them, of all the flights I've been on. Mm. Um, you all know my niece Jamie. Yeah. My niece Jamie, her seventh, no, her, her sixth grade. You know, when I was in sixth grade, you, we never transitioned. It was not like just big celebration. You went from sixth grade to seventh grade. It's just yeah, yeah, you kicked you out. <laughs> yeah. Go to seventh grade. Yeah. Same thing when you got to um, middle school. Oh, well, you passed eighth grade, go to ninth grade. No big deal. Nowadays, we celebrate everything. Anyway, <laughs> she was going from sixth grade to seventh grade. So in the sixth grade, she was moving away from elementary school, going into middle school. So she had to do a big show and tell. All the kids got to pick something. What did she do? She picked me as a show and tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, cool. What are you going to do? Uncle, I want to just... She had this already like schemed this big thing in her mind. It's like, I want to build this balloon. I want to paint the countries. I want to do this and that. Can we do this and that? Sure. So we did a little string with a starch and I put a, and I used to collect money. So for all the different countries, we hung a little like the dollar, like I guess like, their equivalent to a dollar bill mm-hmm. and a picture. The kids wanted to know about the food. <laughs> <laughs> what did you eat? What was there? What did you do? What did it smell like? You know, and, what was the Even, grossest thing you ate? Exactly. I got that from the dads in the group. <laughs> the dads were like asking more questions than the kids, you know. But that was an experience, and that was one of the things I was afforded, you know, in life. Um, to be able to go and see different parts of the world. I wanted to serve my country in a way that my dad and my brother and my mom did. My mom served Vietnam as in a mass unit, first mass unit in Vietnam. My mom's there all through the whole Vietnam theater. My dad, same way, the whole Vietnam theater. My brother went into the military, served for 20-something years. He, went, he started in the, in the Marine Corps, then he went into the Army. I got there to see my brother. It's kind of funny. I was in country, and uh, I got to see my brother in passing, and we walked right past each other, and then we turned, and I looked at this dude, my brother can't grow a beard. I can grow a full beard, mustache, <laughs> the whole nine yards. My brother can't. My brother can grow this little Native American mustache just yeah. right here. That's it. And maybe a little goatee. That's it. So I passed this dude, his whole team. My brother was Special Forces. His whole team, just rugged looking. My brother walked by, I know that dude. Turned around, we turned to each other, like, bam. See, if it was Navajo, they just would have went, shh, shh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Walk by, each other. So, 
yeah, I got to hug him. We spent about an hour together. I hadn't seen him in about eight years. Um, but yeah, you know, being able to see countries, see the hate, see the crime, see the evil. You know, you can talk about hats and wearing hats and seeing things in the world, seeing how we treat each other, seeing how we take care of another, each other, but also witnessing life, mm-hmm. witnessing the things in this world. We're set on, on missions to do these things, but I had a mission of just living. Mm-hmm. That was my mission, to get up every morning, to go to work, do what I, do whatever we had to do, and brush it off. Go to bed and wake up the next day. That was my mission. So that I could be able to pick up the phone, call my family. I can't tell you where I'm at, but hello, how you doing? My dad had the habit of calling me. I would give my dad the number of the hotel we're at. But my dad will forget I'm like some foreign country and he'll call like two o'clock in the morning. Hey, Bob, what's going on? <laughs> I'm asleep. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. How are you doing? You want to talk all night. You don't put my mom on the phone. You know, I've eaten some weird places. One place I always remember is a place called Prague, Czechoslovakia. We went there as a USO members. And that's the only way we could get into that country as USO members. I have no idea, you know, we're, I'm not a band member, but I went in as a band member. I went in as a guy that played the drums. The hearts and the minds. Yeah. I had in my heart, but I just couldn't do it. So we signed up as band members because that's the only way we could get in country. And we did it. But I remember we got done. They went on their way to do their thing. They were playing at this big festival that was going on, the USO people. So they went on to do their thing. We went to do our thing and we got done. So we walked up to my team, okay, let's blend in, you know, because there was a big festival going on. So I walked down this alley, out of the, all the, out of the, the, the mess and everything else. So I walked down this alley, and I went into the little place, and I sat down. And this guy, like, was so excited that they had, like, a chalkboard, and it had, like, it was written um, in their language. I had no idea what, what it was. But they had like chalk marks, da, 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 like two, two lines of something. So I sat down, and the guy was talking to me in their language. And I, 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 I told him, I don't, I don't understand. So this little girl came up, and she says, food. That's all she said. I said, yes. And I went like this. <laughs> they both ran away. They came back, this big, giant wooden bowl of something. I don't know what it was. Just set it there in this big loaf of bread. Still kind of steaming, and he brought me this big giant thing. I thought it was coffee. I said, "Okay, it's liquid. I'll drink it." This big giant spoon. So I like, I waited for him to leave. Then I, <laughs> well, that's pretty good, you know. Ate the whole thing, and uh, I got up to leave. And uh, before that, I had went to the, this exchange place, and I didn't know what the exchange rate was. And kind of funny. Before we got there. We got through the Black Forest. The bus stopped. And the guy, the band director, a USO director said, we're going to exchange money. And I was asleep. And I got up and I was like, 
we're in the middle of the forest. What are you going to exchange money? <laughs> and Sasquatch came running out, literally. Like the Sasquatch, like Bigfoot came running out. And the guy says, how much money do you want to exchange? Because we're going to do it here. <laughs> so I, like, I remember I, I, I got some money. I had American money. So it was like 200 American, maybe 300 American dollars. And I handed the guy the bill and I fell back asleep. We got there. We got there to Prague and the guy had another bag and he was handing out rolls. Like, and he even had this roll like that big. <laughs> like, what did I exchange? Like, how, much do, how much did I give you? I don't know. That's what you exchanged. Blah, blah, blah. That way he left. So I had this big lot of cash. I had no what it, I had no what it was worth. Obviously, it was worth like 300 American dollars. But I didn't know what the exchange rate was there. So I said, okay, I just put my, like I separated it, put it in my pockets. Then we went on our way. And I remember I sat down to eat there and I got up to pay them. And I dug, I dug in my right pocket and I had this big old wad of whatever. And I didn't know, like, what does this cost? Is it like 50 bucks? Is it $25? Like what? So I handed it to the man. And his eyes like just like... like, <laughs> like and I was like, 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 take what you need. I was like, t- I was like trying to take the bill apart. Like, take this one, take this one, or take. I go, which one do I owe you? You know. So he was like, like freaking out. He looked at his daughter or that little girl, whatever she was, and they looked at each other, looked at each other, like this. Then I looked at her and I was like, which one? You know. And she took one of the bills, and their eyes are like, like this, like okay, cool, right on. And I folded it up, put it in my pocket, said thank you. And I went to go shake the guy's hand. Give me a hug. Like, okay, you know, it's like, it was just a bull stew, you know. So, so I walked away. I walked down the ways a little bit, and I found another shop. And I sat down. And the guy came over. And he, he didn't ask. He just put a cup, cup down, poured it. It was coffee. And I took a big drink. I was like, wow, this is so good. And I, I guess I said it out loud. And he goes, good, huh? I was like, well, wait, you speak English? He goes, yeah. He said, I'm a professor at MIT. I was like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I live here, but I also teach there. So I have a visa. Because I, I teach the nine-month course after summer, a nine-week course after summer. Um, I'm a physicist. Okay. And then, and then he's like, as a can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah. I said, what's this alley about? He said, we support each other. He said, I don't serve food because they serve food. I serve coffee. And my coffee is the nutmeg. And that's what I put in. The coffee shop down the way don't do nutmeg. They do something different hmm. so that we can continue to survive. That's my business. He said, across the street, they gave you something to eat, right? I said, yeah, it was like a big giant bowl of something. He said, it's boar stew. Oh, wow. So the meat in it is boar. The potatoes, they grow them. He said, this family, they live about 20 miles. They walk every day oh here. So they bring their food in a cart. And I said, as I paid them with something, he said, show me. So I dug in my pocket. I said, which one did he take? I said, he took this one. He said, you you gave him enough money in the sense he made his whole week's worth of salary in that one bill you gave him. Wow. I, was, I didn't know what I was giving him. He goes, no, it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's you were like Santa Claus over yeah. there. <laughs> so, 
so he, he was like, what are you doing To this here? day, your pictures in yeah, that cafe. Probably, probably like, yeah. they said of the Pope yeah. <laughs> in the doorway. But, so he was telling me about the culture, you know, of what they went through, you know, because Prague got bombed. Mm-hmm. Prague was, you know, an enemy of the state too, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, the architecture still shows there's still portions of the Prague where you can see where missiles or not missiles, oh, but wow. bombs hit, you know. Mortars. So the architecture still crumbled, you know. The the um, plaza areas, there's still areas where, where there was cathedral type buildings that are now crumbled, you know, because mm-hmm. of bombings and stuff. He said, I, he said, I've grown up here in Prague. He said, when I was a little boy, you know, during World War II. Um, mm. He said, we had to run and hide. He said, there's tunnels that we dug that they got filled over. He said, but we had to dig them because that's how we got around at dark, oh, yeah. the, the dark time mm-hmm. so that we would survive. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, a lot of these shops are built out of survival and they're not really built off to, for economy, but they're built for survival. Mm-hmm. So we offer the cup of coffee. He said, like I said, my, my thing is, we add nutmeg into my our coffee, and that's what we share. And when festivals like this, we don't get. He said we don't get the foot traffic because we're not in the festival. He said, but when people come like you, is it's a, it's a, it's a big deal, you know. Like the guy next door, you made his week, you know. So he now he can survive. His family can survive. So whatever now they make for the rest of the week, it just goes into the in a sense the bank for them. Is something they can yeah. then take into the next week and survive off of. Mm. He said, so, he said, so it's not just food, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. So yeah, we had conversation over a cup of coffee. Mm. To me, so just for me, you know, I, I, I relate that to even coffee now and then how it's enjoyable. You know, it's a, it's a culture. It's a lifestyle. It's not just something that's in the morning. It's a Keurig. It's a drip. It's whatever. But it's what's in the coffee. It's what's in the cup. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can start a war over what's in the cup. Or you can settle a war what's in the cup. But it's understanding what's behind it. That that day taught me a big lesson about life. You know, I was there to, I was there to do something. I wasn't there to learn I wasn't there to enjoy. I wasn't there to make somebody's week. My my mission there was totally different. But that action changed through that cup of coffee, through that bowl of boar stew, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it changed my outlook on that next mission, that next thing. What can I do or what could I, you know, help somebody with, you know, how can I make somebody else's day? You know, to, to the mom and pop shop. To, still to this day, I love mom and pop shops. You know, the holes in the walls of Albuquerque, where can we find them to eat at? You know, <laughs> yeah. through this era we're living in, through COVID, you know, there's been so many businesses that have closed. Mm-hmm. Well, where's that one that we can help survive, you know, and share and sit down and share a story with, you know? It's things like that that I enjoy because of lessons I was taught across the pond. Uh, different places that I've worked, different places that I've traveled to, different places that I've lived, they all have a lesson. Whether it's ice cream, whether it's coffee, whether it's bread, whether it's food, whether it's eating horse. I didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Italy, there's a, 
When you go, there's a, you know, anywhere. They have to put a horse head on the top of the end lentil when you walk into the business. So it tells you that this place serves horse. Oh, wow. I had no idea. It was just, I'm going to eat. Hey, cool, cool. There's a horse Walked in. Oh, that's a nice horse I'm hungry. Let's go eat. This I could eat a good. horse. Exactly. I could eat a horse. Exactly. It's like that hungry. I'll have what they're having. Okay, cool. You know, it's like on big old, it looked like a big giant steak with champions, which is like mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And then onions, a little bit of potato. <laughs> awesome, right on. Like with a gravy on it. And yeah, we can't so get good. steak this big back yeah, home. Yeah, like, like, we ate the whole thing. We walked out, went to the next shop. And I asked the guy, he's like, like, what's the deal with the horse head? And he goes, oh, because they serve horse. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. <laughs> well, it was good. And I'm still alive, you know. So, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess you would say I was blessed to be able to travel and blessed to be able to do what I did in lieu of serving physically, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to, that was my, you know, I got to be, I want to be like my dad, you know, my dad served, my brother served, my uncles and cousins served, I got to do it, you know, I just couldn't because of my lung condition that excluded me, say, I'm sorry, you can't do this. I said, okay, so how can I, how else can I do it, you know? So a company that I worked with had a logistics. They call it integrated logistics. So that's what I took on. And we taught the military how to use weaponized communications, how to weaponize yourself, and how to weaponize other things in, in, in the world today. Mm-hmm. Technologies that we built are technologies that are used today all around war. <laughs> that's all, that's what it boils down to, you know. But it also afforded me to see parts of the world that, like I said, some places I would love to go back to and some places I wouldn't want to go back to. Places I would have loved to go eat again and some places I wouldn't want to go eat again. <laughs> I, I also see, though, too, that also helped you come back and, in essence, help your tribe. You know, yeah. you took a lot of what you learned through that. Even if it wasn't necessarily, you know, the weaponized logistics, you came back and you, you, you know, you're, you're helping your tribe. And I can, I can, how you say, attest it to that maturity, you know, mm-hmm. that not a lot of people can just be placed into a situation and be able to drink a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, and not freak out. It's not being desensitized or, you know, censored. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to see it, smell it, hear it, but still be able to function, still be able to rationalize something, still be able to take action on something and not freak out, you know. Be able to be that reasonableness in an unreasonable time to be you know so like stepping in 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 a hostile environment or stepping into a situation where you know people are freaking out family members are going crazy whatever you know and being the rational in that being able to rationalize with that situation and help calm that situation down by not being afraid Mm -hmm. you know so I, that's one of the things that I guess it's a blessing and a curse 
you know. On one hand, the blessing was I got to see the world. Mm -hmm. The curse was Beth and I were ready to throw the towel in our first year of marriage. I was a place called Arab, Alabama. And we're arguing all week. I said, forget this. I remember this. I told her, forget this. You get the paperwork ready. I'm flying home tonight. I'm going to sign that paper, and I'm getting right back on the plane. And one of my guys, I called Delta. We flew so much. I called Delta. I said, I need a flight to Albuquerque, New Mexico, a, one, a round trip. I'm mean, going there, coming right back. So, sure, Mr. Dude, say blah, 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 your ticket's at you know, the ticket counter, blah, blah, blah. Had one of my guys, I said, just take me to the airport, come back. I'll call you. You can come pick me up. I left my bags, everything. I had intentions of, that's it, I'm done. Flew home. Beth picked me up. We didn't say nothing. And back then is when you could still greet your peep, your, your family at the gate. Mm -hmm. So she was there, walked out, walked out of the airport, got in the car. I got stopped by state police going out of Albuquerque. The guy stopped. Do you know how fast you're going? I said, yeah, I do. Do you know how fast I was going? <laughs> and the cop looked at me and he's like, uh, well, slow it down. Just slow it down, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get a ticket that night. <laughs> I gave attitude to the cop, you know. <laughs> we got home and we were laughing. We were literally laughing, you know. And I realized this is where I belong. Not 3,000 miles away, but I belong here with you. So we, we compromised in a way that's not a bad compromise, but we compromise to where if I'm close enough, I'll have Delta send you the ticket and you can come, even if it's for a couple of days. So that's what she used to do. You know, she went to Boston a couple of times. She went to New York City with us a couple of times, you know, for a couple of days on the East Coast, West Coast, wherever we were close enough, I would just send, you know, tell her the Delta tickets are ready and go ahead and get them, blah, blah, blah. She would go out and stay for a couple of days. But that's our, that was our compromise to keep the sanity, to yeah. keep the relationship. You know, it's like that long, long distance relationship. Sometimes it was close, sometimes it was far. Sometimes it was, I don't see you for months, years. But we're still trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. And we did. We've been married for 25 years now. Yeah, we don't know children. But, uh, you know, it's kind of funny when people ask us that. Like, you guys don't have no kids? No, but we like renting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> So, you know, that's a bit of my life, you know, as, as, uh, as enclosure here, you know, this is who I am, you know, I love, I love telling stories. I, that's one of the things I do love. People know that, you know, if people know me, they know I love telling stories. Mm -hmm. They know I love, sh I don't mind sharing of who I am. I have nothing to hide. I got scars all over my body and each one tells a story of something I've been through, some trauma or something that, that's happened to me. I've been shot, stabbed, hit by vehicles. But I... And there's that's a, all there's, by Beth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all by Beth. <laughs> now you want to know more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, I love telling stories, you know, and about what's where I've come from, um, what I've been through, the battles, the victories, the things they're still going through, hmm. you know, education. I went back to school last year. I decided, you know, I'm going to enter back as a freshman. My, my counselor was like, you're going to do what? 
because they wanted me to go do like you are you can do this program and do this program I said no I'll, I'll enter as a freshman They're like no way you can't do that I said, yes i can so i did <laughs> i earned it as a freshman so i started school um for business uh, small business business management and entrepreneurship because i believe that's where we need more help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm keeping businesses open, but teaching them how to stay open, teaching the dynamics of how to stay open. So I've been asked by some of my professors, can you help your student? I mean, can you help your fellow classmates? (laughs) Especially when we were were going through philosophy and then through um, psychology. Because some of them are so young, they've never had time to live in a sense. So yeah. they, don't, they don't feel that they have a story to tell. Like, you don't have to go through trauma. You don't have to go through troubles to have a story. You're unique yourself. Hmm. Talk about the uniqueness. You woke up this morning, right? Yes. <laughs> did you make the right cup of coffee? Talk about that. <laughs> did, you, did you feed the dog? Did you kick the dog? What did you, you know, talk about that. That's life. That's a story. Oh, I get it now. Exactly. You don't have to go through these big, giant, traumatic moments in life to have a story. It's about how did you sugar your coffee? <laughs> oh, I've, this is the first day I've ever added creamer to my coffee. Talk about that. <laughs> my professor, she was like, Dave, can I ask you to help talk, you know, talk to them? So I did. <laughs> I put on the chat, who needs help? They call me Mr. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dave, can you help me? Like, like, like four or five messages turned into 20 messages. So it's like sitting there, okay, cool, you know, it's like throwing out like the general message, like, bam, what about this? And bam, what about that? One of my professors, Dr. Oaks, he goes, you know, Dave, if you want to write a book, I'll edit it for you for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? She goes, yes, I'll do your professional editing. I'll help you publish. If you want to write a book, let me know. I'll do that for you. Just you have my email. You know where to contact me. If you want to do it, let me know. I'll edit it for you for free. I'll help you publish it. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, I told that to Beth. She goes, what? I was like, <laughs> like, like you, you got, got the golden, golden ticket. ticket. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but education, you know, to me, it's fun. Mm-hmm. At this age, at this day, or for me, that at this age. I couldn't do what I'm doing now when I was 19, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. There was no way. Mm. I was not this focused, not and not this, how do you say, not seasoned, but mature, mature mm. to do yeah. this. To look at when and read and look and study and really dedicate the time I'm doing to studying. I couldn't do this in my 20s or my, 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 when I was a teenager. In a sense, when you're supposed to, I guess some say, what's well, when you're supposed to go to college, you know? Yeah. yeah. I had to mature. Yeah. yeah. I had to get some um, bruises and scars onto my body before I could get to where I'm at today. Hmm. And that's why I went in as a freshman, because I wanted to experience, you know, that life in a sense of being called a freshman, you know, to earn your licks in a sense. Yeah. But I'm the oldest one in some of my, I've been the oldest one in some of my classes. Um, but to me, it's an experience and it's a joy. It's an honor to be able to share, you know, these kind of stories. Even with my classmates, it's a joy to be able to share with them a little bit of myself. You know, I've shared my Native American story with them. I where I grew up, where I live, where I'm from. I'm from a little village that maybe at any given may maybe given moment may have a hundred people. 
But we live in the at the base of Mount Taylor, a place where it's just like magical. We get our water from Mount Taylor. It's not from a well. It's all from spring fed. In any given moment, if you need a cup of sugar, you can go to the neighbor still. My mom don't lock her front door, but now she does. But growing up, we never locked the front door. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have to. We didn't have to worry about it. You know, we could we could rely upon each other. My dad used to host horseshoe tournaments every <laughs> summer. There'd be at least a hundred people from all over the world <laughs> show up to my dad's horseshoe tournaments. You know, food, drinks, fun, laughter. That was community. You know, so I mean, that's a little bit of me. You know, I, I like I said, I have stories for days. You know, Beth's always telling me, Dave, you need to write a book. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the adventures of you know, Dave Mustang or whatever. <laughs> you remember Super Dave? Super Dave Osborne? Yeah. yeah. One of my, my former um, partners back in the day used to call me that Super Dave. Like Super Dave Osborne's like, like a cat gets nine lives. Okay, Dave, which life are you on? <laughs> so we know which one. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, you know. But we shouldn't be afraid, you know, kind of going back, the, you know, tying it back to what we started with today, tonight, about this issue. You know, I encourage you out there, you know, don't be afraid to share your story. You're all unique in your own special way. You know, you have your scars, you have your aches, you have your bumps and bruises, hmm. but that's what gives us character. Yeah. It's just like a vehicle. You had a dent here, you had a scratch there. It just adds character. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, I say this all the time that if you're native and you're alive, you did not make it to this point unscathed without some sort of, of something happening to your family or in your, in your history. Yeah. I think if you all you you know all three of you you've all heard me say this you know there's no such thing as luck or coincidence, mm-hmm. things happen for a reason, you know, to us personally, things have happened to us for a reason, but we're still here today, mm-hmm. we're yeah. alive, we're well, we're all breathing air, we yeah. can stand up, we can sit down, we can enjoy a cup of coffee together, so, it's not that rough, it's mm-hmm. not that bad, it's not that difficult, going back to sharing your story. Don't be afraid. Talk to your family. Talk to your best friend. Mm-hmm. Talk to your horse, whatever it may be, <laughs> to get it out there. Don't eat him. Just don't eat the horse. <laughs> but talk to the horse. Tell how much you love him. So he gives you a good ride. You know, so he don't book you off, you know. But part of healing is actually speaking. Yeah. Because your mind registers that differently mm-hmm. than just thinking about it. So when you speak it, it's like singing. I don't care if you can carry a tune or not, but you're singing because it brings you joy. Yeah. yeah. Makes you smile. It's the same thing with telling stories. The more you tell it, the more it makes you happy. But also as a way of healing, especially when it's dealing with something like this, to be able to share that story and get it off your chest so you can smile. So you turn that the as I say, you turn that frown upside down. <laughs> yeah. You know? So that yeah. it helps you and you live a better life and that's what we're shooting for i think mm-hmm. you know as a human being we want a better life so why carry the burdens of the past anymore let's get rid of it but let's share that story with someone so that maybe it's, if it's written down or it's recorded so we don't repeat history yeah yeah so, you know that's a big thing so now you said it all man yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no really though 
Man, Dave, we can't thank you enough for, uh, oh, it's an honor to have you as our first yeah, guest. Definitely. And uh, man, this has been a, a good talk. We're, we're going to have to split this into two, two episodes, <laughs> two episodes, guys. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's just fine, man. That was a really awesome time. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Yeah, and we're definitely gonna have to have you back again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and well, you know, if when more information comes out about this, and you know, things start to come out more, you know, we definitely have to have you back to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. For those of you at home, I mean, definitely, you know, check into your your local your local uh, areas and see, you know, if if there are any Indian Indian schools, and maybe push uh, to you know, get those looked into and, and maybe you can, uh, help, uh, get some people, people home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as usual, remember to rate review and subscribe. And, uh, if you have anything you want to yeah. share with us, if you want to hear more, more from Dave, let us know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, well, he's a very busy guy, but you know, I think he might, <laughs> we might be able to get him oh, in yeah. to, to talk about the Maybe the grossest thing, <laughs> the grossest thing he's ever eaten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dave. Well, thank you, guys. And I wish you well for everything you got going on. So, yeah, definitely, if you need me to uh, bring you coffee, let me know. <laughs> I might take you up on that. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, you guys have a good week out there. Stay safe. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. This is the son of Picasso. I just want to thank you guys for sticking around. Remember to review, subscribe, and uh, check us out on Instagram, uh, Off the Reservation Podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.